0: playing nothing else because I ain't singing. (laughs) No. have you ever known you're supposed to do something and uh you really struggle with it the lord has laid a message on my heart tonight that uh it's much needed but it's not easy cause I'm going to preach all the alls funeral tonight in a in a sense Death is not something that we enjoy talking about. Hey, Randy, I didn't know you was here. (laughs) Death is not something that we enjoy talking about. We don't even really like to think about it much. That's why so oftentimes we procrastinate and delay buying life insurance and burial policies and Plots and things of that nature. But scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that the judgment. Unless we happen to be the generation that is alive to see the Lord return and split those eastern skies. Unless we happen to be part of that group we all shall go by way of the grave. November will be 42 years I've been preaching the gospel. I know I don't even look 42, but it it will be 42 years. And during that time, I've preached literally hundreds of funerals and weddings. And in many cases, they're the same thing. But no, 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 not really. But one thing that I've noticed... Periodically, en route from the church or the uh, funeral home, en route to the cemetery, I'll see people that I know. And you know, most of the times the the minister follows the hearse and the body. And of course, that gets everybody's attention. And we're going with these police escorts, and I see people I know. Nobody ever waves back. (laughs) Seriously, I'm not trying to be funny, but it it is funny that nobody wants to wave at a funeral procession. As if that's going to change the situation. And I want to talk to you tonight from 2 Timothy chapter 4 for just a moment. The Apostle Paul, who's probably one of the greatest Christians that ever lived, if not the greatest, other than Jesus Christ himself. is just a few days away from the executioner's axe separating his head from his body. And he's writing and addressing young Timothy. This old battle scarred warrior is looking back over a long and hard struggle. And he's concerned about some things that he encourages Timothy to to keep his mind on the appearing of Jesus. He encourages him to preach Jesus with an unceasing diligence and he encourages Timothy to guard against false teachers who corrupt a pure gospel brothers and sisters we live in a day and age and a dispensation of time where The gospel has been so polluted and diluted and watered down to where it seems like that everything is acceptable by God. And I want you to know that it's not. God is holy. And he says without righteousness no man shall see God. I want to encourage you as the church, the body of believers that Where there's an inward change, there will be an outward demonstration. We can't profess and proclaim to be a Christian and look and live just like the world. We know in our heart, we see in the pages of the Word of God, we feel the leading and the unction of the Holy Spirit speaking to us in our lives about areas that we know to not be right. Yet we set our jaw and we just do it anyway because everybody is and oh well they'll accept it like it is and God understands and I want you to understand something. The wages of sin is death. God is righteous and he judges in righteousness Thank God we're still in that day and age of grace. Judgment is not taking place. It will take place someday when you stand before Him. And I'm thankful for grace right now, aren't you? But I want to encourage you to be a seeker, a diligent seeker of God and His ways and what His expectations of us are to allow Him to by the leading of his spirit and through his written word to form in us the convictions of do's and don'ts in life so that we don't become part of the end time church that's been uh, deceived. See, one of, the, one of the books of the Bible, there, Paul's writing to the church, says, Who has bewitched you, O foolish Galatians, that you've turned unto another gospel? I want to encourage you. Don't be deceived. Don't look for the easy way out. Serving God can be tough. Standing for right when everybody else is doing what's wrong is not always easy. Doing the right thing and what you know to do I'll give you an example. Man, there's so many things in that Bible that I don't like. But that doesn't change the fact of the truth of it. How many of you like Mr. and Ms. Righteous to do this? Bless them that wrongfully and despitefully use you. Are you kidding me? Turn the other cheek. Do good to them that do you wrong. I don't know about you, but that goes against this cowboy's grain. But it doesn't change the fact that that's what God speaks to his children and instructs us to do. Because if you go back and look at the life of Christ, that's what he did. And are we not to be imitators of Christ? Are we not to become Like him? Chapter 4, verse 1. So here is this battle-scarred warrior addressing this young, upstart Timothy. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away from their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry. Now here's what I want to get to. Remember, he's just a few days away from being executed. His head's going to be cut off. After exhorting Timothy, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only. But unto all them also that love his appearing. I want to draw from a few things from verses 6 through 8. For I am now ready. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Are you ready when the time comes for you to step into eternity? Have you made the decision of whether heaven is going to be your eternal home or hell? There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I remember some years ago when Duke was with me, I preached at one of the U.S. capropings down at Keechai, and There was a man that gave his heart to the Lord, and after the service, he came up to me, and, Warden, you'll get a kick out of this. He, he said, Preacher, I just got out of prison. I served 26 years for killing a man, and I did it. That's his exact words. Am I not telling the truth? He said, and I did it. Most people will try to say I was framed or circumstantial evidence, or they'll try to pass the buck. But he says, and I did it. And I've never thought about what would happen to me when I died until today. Have you given thought to that? It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Who to marry is important. Buying a house is important. And investing in stocks or money or whatever. It's important. But what if you what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? But to lose his soul. I want you to understand something. Your eternal home, your eternal destiny is your choice. We haven't been made out of cookie cutters. And predetermined who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. Regardless of what some people may say. And I'm going to attempt to clear something up here. God help me. Most of them base that belief upon this. For whom he did foreknow, oh, to them he also did predestinate. But watch your hyphenations, your punctuations. Read it. It says, for him whom he did foreknow. Oh. See, he's an infinite God that looks down through the quarters of time and he knows everything. He knows the decisions that you're going to make. Right or wrong, good or bad. He knows the decisions you're going to make. For whom he did foreknow to them. He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, Christ Jesus what he has predestined is for those that choose to embrace the gift of life that comes only by way of Calvary's hill and the shed blood of Jesus Christ he looked down the quarters of time and he knew those that would and he knew those that would reject but for those that would he says I want you to look like my son I want you to begin to think like him I want you to begin to act like him I want you to begin to talk like him I want you to begin to understand how he thinks. I want you to begin to understand that he's got a plan for your life that supersedes anything that you could plan for yourself. Have you? Are you ready? Have you given thought and credence to the fact that there is that heaven to gain and that hell to shun that we talk about? Hell is more than a a slang word or a word that we use in a joke. It is a literal place. Scripture tells us of heaven. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of a man. Those things the Lord hath prepared for them that love him. You and I don't even have the ability to envision what heaven's really like. But as good as we, if we could, if it was only as good as what we can imagine it to be, it'd be good enough, wouldn't it? It'd be a pretty fantastic place. Horse don't buck me off, hurt my shoulder. <laughs> Cows run straight. (laughs) Glenda does everything I say. (laughs) Mm, That's heaven, baby. (laughs) She don't wreck no cars. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. But as grand as heaven is, and we can't envision it, the opposite side of that, we don't even really grasp That place that the Word says there, there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Torment, pain, separation from God. Separation from those that you loved. See, I believe part of hell is going to be you're looking into the, the heavens and seeing those that have loved on you and tried to tell you there's a better way, there's a better life there's a Jesus that loves you in spite of your imperfections in spite of your failures all you've got to do is come to him and be repentant repentant is not just saying I'm sorry repentant is being sorry repentant is changing a lifestyle changing a course of action changing the direction in which you were going and with his help you can but you've got to want to that's why Scripture says to him that hath an ear to hear. you got to want to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith. And I promise you, if you want to hear what God's got to say about your life, He'll speak to you in no uncertain terms. He'll guide your steps. He'll direct your path. He'll form the convictions of do's and don'ts in you. And He'll change you day by day. It's a process. Your sins are cleansed that fast. But it then is a process. Of learning and learning and changing and beginning to look more like him and the things that used to cause you to twist off. You find yourself you find yourself having the strength and the ability to control that anger. I'm gonna tell you something, that's one of the hardest things. That was one of the hardest things. Is one of the hardest things. Of change in my life. Glenda, you should have said amen. (laughs) Because I promise you, there was a time when I had no problem telling you what I thought. I had no problem being hit or hitting you. I'm not boasting or bragging on that, I'm just saying I was mad at the world. I hated myself, I hated everybody in my circle, didn't like what I was doing tried everything people said if you'll do this you'll be happy and they're a bunch of liars oh it brought pleasure for a season God's word tells us that sin is fun for a season but all of a sudden you start waking up man this ain't fun no more waking up in a parking lot with a friend knocking on your window on their way to work one morning going what are you doing here how'd you get here I don't even know how I got there Or who I was with. Hated me, Andy. I hated me. But God gave me the ability. And he's helping me still. Learn to bridle that most unruly member in your body. Which is that old tongue. Life and death. Is in the power of the tongue. Careful what you say. This is a true story. Glenna? If don't. You don't even know what I'm gonna say. All I was gonna say is if I'm lying, say he's lying. If I'm telling the truth, say he's telling the truth. Be careful of the words you say. Man, Glenda's daddy got her a horse. Boarded him out at my daddy's barn. A little old sweet thing over there. She is a cheerleader and she is on the swim team. Had that dark tan and them blue eyes twinkling. Had a duck well. I was going to say she had dope in that lipstick, but she didn't wear a lipstick. And so we get to riding horses out there. and She's smelling good, looking good. And I start making my move. And I ain't going to tell you what all I said. But I did get around to this part because I knew she was one of them little goody two-shoe girls that kind of wanted to take home to mommy. She was so much like my mama, I knew I wanted to marry her, and I wasn't ready to get married. I really was kind of running, but running to her too. And I told her, I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to be a preacher one day. <laughs> Living so far from God, I just thought, I can hook her with this because she's all into that God stuff. So I start smooth-buttering her up with this going to be a preacher thing. Lo and behold, I are one. Maybe not a very good one, but I are one. So you better be careful of the things that you say. Are you ready? Are you ready to step into eternity? And then we see where he says, for my departure is at hand. In our journey through life, we always think of death as being so distant and so far away. And for some it may be. For others, it could be way sooner than you think. I got a phone call today. John from Allen Kimmel. You may know this. Team roping buddy of ours. Thirty-five-year-old daughter, healthy as she could be, up in Colorado, out for a walk, and just tripped and fell, hit her head. She was all right. A few hours later, she began to become very disoriented, and she began to have some problems develop from that, and she had brain damage at the base of her skull, right by the spinal Cord, and uh, she's going to be with Jesus. That's how fast. That's how easy it can be. This young lady down here, I think it was on I forty nine. Was that right, Duke? Where it got rear ended. Christian lady, speaker, leading people to the Lord right and left, got rear ended by somebody. I think it was a drunk driver, if I'm not mistaken. That's what it was. He felt like God wanted him to kill himself and at 90 miles an hour rear-ended her. Killed her. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to use a scare tactic. I'm just trying to get you to come into reality that God has numbered your days. We don't know how soon that will be, how long that will be. The question is, will you be ready when your time comes? For your departure could be at hand. Next we see where it says in verse 7, I have fought a good fight. Have you? Or do you let the storms of life toss you around and dictate to you how you live? I want you to understand, we have one fight left to fight and that's the fight of faith. We don't walk by sight, we don't act the way the world acts, we don't handle things the way the world handles them. We've been instructed by God to walk by faith and not by sight. How are you doing in that department? Are you truly fighting a fight of faith? Or are you just wishing? See, there's a difference in wishing and faith. Because faith is the substance. It's something of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. But it's that unwavering trust in an unfailing God that He will show up and show out and make a way where there oftentimes seems to be no way. How are you doing with your faith fight? I have a little bit different interpretation of, of faith in this sense than a lot of people do we know scripture says that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind and people say if you're living in fear you're not living in faith well I disagree with that I just believe that your faith is in the wrong thing I believe that your faith your expectation of The bad, the evil, the wrong that's going to happen is in the devil or circumstances or situations more than your trust is in God. Don't let that happen. Get to the place that your walk of faith, your journey with God is totally trusting in Him. To rely upon someone totally. That someone is Jesus. There's an acronym that you need to learn and never forget. To rely upon someone totally. You can trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into your own understanding. But in all of your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. Not he may, he might. If he can, he will. No, he will. But you got to put that T-R-U-S-T. There will be a song. D-I-V-O-R-C-D-F-T-U-R... T-R-U-S-T fight that good fight he says I have finished my course I have kept the faith don't you fumble the ball on the two yard line we're coming down the stretch y'all remember and I hear a while back what was that guy's name One seven of them American La France Tour de France bicycle races that they caught doping up and all that Neil not Neil Armstrong Lance Armstrong remember they come out with them bracelets they don't tell how much money they made on them finish strong I want to encourage you in the spiritual sense finish strong Finish. That used to be one of the things that when I was coaching, we would try to drill in those guys during timeouts toward the end of the game. Not only then, but during practices during the week, is you got to finish. Finish. Finish it off right here. Stick it in the end zone. Step up. Stop them. They're going forward on forward. Finish this thing. You've got them on the ropes. Let's finish. You've got the devil on the ropes in your marriage, in your life, in your business. Finish. Don't back off. Finish strong. And because of that and keeping the faith, I love this one, verse 8. It says, Henceforth, from now on, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Ooh, hold on. And not to me only. But to all. Of them also. That love. is appearing. There's a crown of righteousness. For all. That trust. And look to him. And put their confidence and hope and faith in him. Are you? Bow your head. Tonight I just ask a simple question. I've asked you to somewhat in your mind as best you can what are the words that are going to be said at your funeral what's the epitaph if you could write your own what would it say see your life is a living epistle it's a book known and read of all men they're reading your life every day what are they seeing because what they're seeing speaks far more than the words you speak my mom used to tell me all the time son I can't hear what you're saying for what I see you doing and it really comes down to this it doesn't matter what you're saying it's how are you living are you living in obedience to the word of God or are you just talking trash out of your mouth see the Bible says that out of the same mouth comes Blessings and curses, sweet and bitter water. Then it says, This ought not be. Are you living a double minded life? A hypocritical life? You're having a closet life that nobody knows about, that your lips are praising God, but your heart is far from Him? Maybe you're just outright living and.